Welcome to the Plantative Mindset Podcast and this is episode seven. So my next guest is based in Sweden, known as the food scientist. He is also, an, and I'm going to say this right, hopefully, epidemiologist and associate professor in public health, helping companies create and promote healthier food products. Gianluca is a biologist, a scientist. So I brought him onto the podcast to talk about a really important topic, diet. Um, fad or fantastic? What is a diet? What does it actually mean? Hope you enjoy the episode. I'm delighted to have Gianna Luca Togonon uh, on the podcast today. Um, he has got such a wealth of knowledge, as you've heard me just uh, say in the intro. But we wanted to talk specifically about diets and are they a fad or are they fantastic? And he's going to share his uh, expertise and knowledge as to what that actually means. But first of all, Gianluca, welcome to the show. And can you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself? Hi, Natasha. Thanks for having me. It's really a pleasure to be to be a guest in your podcast. And I'm really happy to share some ideas about nutrition and diet today. Well, a little bit about myself. I, well, I'm Italian and I live in Sweden, although I still work in both countries. So sometimes I go up and down between these two beautiful countries. I work 50% of my time as an associate professor in public health here in Sweden, but and the remaining of my time as a consultant. And I have quite a lot of experience coaching individual people who are interested to improve their diet, lose weight, and deal with a series of health problems with a healthy diet. So that's, that's very quickly. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, your your knowledge, you're, you're known as the food scientist, which I absolutely love. So I wanted to pick your brains here because there, there are so many questions I could ask you and, and, and get your expertise. But um, on one of your website blogs, because you write a lot of articles to help uh, people and share your knowledge, um, you wrote the one, the top five nutrition facts that um, everyone should know about. And you mentioned that there's no perfect diet. So I thought this was an absolutely great topic to talk about on the podcast with regards to what actually the definition of diet is, which means the kinds of foods that a person, animal or community habitually eats but can you expand on what you mean by this and what should someone be aspiring to achieve for their own nutritional wellness well thanks for this question because i think it's really it's really relevant and what i was thinking when i wrote that there's no perfect diet i was thinking about something that we all face when we talk to a health expert or a nutritionist or even to our own doctor the fact that if you ask different people um, even if these people have a very relevant CV within health, public health, or nutrition, and you ask them what's, what's a healthy diet, you will get many different answers. And the reason why different people, even those who have studied these fields for, for many years, give different answers is that we don't really know what constitutes a healthy diet. From my perspective, a healthy diet is a diet that can provide you all the nutrients you need to sustain your body, to sustain all of the metabolic reactions that goes on in your biochemistry, if you allow me to use a very advanced word. But also, it has to be a diet that will minimize your risk in the long term to have chronic disease or to 
sorry, die prematurely. And there's a lot of studies and the difficulties which are inherent in the study of such a complicated matter as diet makes it makes it so that it's not really easy to define what combination of different foods and which combination of different nutrients in which proportions can actually maximize your chances of having the best health you can have, so to say. And one of the complications is that it's really difficult to study what people eat. I mean, we scientists use a lot of dietary questionnaires, but we we all know how difficult it is to, to report actually what you really eat. And therefore, there's a lot of error in, in this type of studies. Another reason why it's difficult to define why a health, what a healthy diet is and what's the best diet for someone is that there are many variations from person to person, starting from the composition of the gut microflora, the genetic, specific genetic profile of an individual that makes so that what's good for one person is not good for another person. And we have just started to uncover which are the factors that can justify why specific foods or a specific type of diet can be good for one person but not for another because we started to understand a little bit more about the microflora, the gut microflora, but it's so complicated and there's so many different bacteria, so many strains, so much to know that it's still really premature to to say that we can define on an individual level what's the best diet for a person. So I, I think we are at the beginning of a very fascinating journey. And the, the dietary, like the diet science is only at its stone, so to say. So we, 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 just, we just began to uncover which are all the mechanism, mechanisms and the things we need to know to understand how foods and nutrients interact with our organism, with our metabolism and biochemistry ultimately. So so that's why it's complicated to, to answer that question. Yeah, I, I, I love the answer and it's making me smile as you, you were saying about the, the gut. Um, I think it's a fascinating topic. And like you say, I think it's one of those topics that is being uh, spoken about more now. I've definitely seen, or maybe it's because I'm fascinated by it. I'm seeing more books. I'm seeing more talk about the, 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 you know, the gut-brain connection. But, you know, that these microbes, that there's, there's more microbes there than there are cells in our bodies and how they typically can change and get unbalanced um, and, and, you know, obviously depending on which foods can, they can either feast or die and, and obviously that then changes our health. But one of the things that I think when we spoke about off air, you were saying that with a lot of the diets, you know, because agreed people are going to promote something that they feel that they've got results with so if they've done keto and they've you know they feel that they've lost weight or they feel healthier or i'm plant-based or vegan you know you you are going to sing from the rooftops about something that you're doing but overarching it was something you said to me that all of the diets normally have something in common if you can expand on that yeah, I, I'm glad you asked this thing because it's a reflection I had some time ago. Because when, when you work in this field and, and you tell people you work with nutrition coaching, you work in public health, especially related to diet and uh, what constitutes a healthy diet, 
people usually share with you their ideas about healthy diets. And what surprised me was that I know, I mean, I have many friends, I know many, many people and working in two countries, I can really meet really a variety of different people. And all of these people tell me about their dietary choices. Someone have chosen to become vegan, some, someone else has chosen a keto diet or a paleo diet. And what was making me struggle was the fact that each and every person I was talking to was saying how better they have felt after they started this new diet, which was keto, vegan, etc., etc. And I thought, how is that possible that diets that even contradict themselves? Because if you think about the vegan diet and the paleo diet, they're more or less the opposite of one another. How can they have a, such a nice effect on how people feel. I mean, we know that there's a component due to the placebo effect. If I convince myself that the diet is very good, I read books, I get into this new diet and I start eating in line of the principles of this new uh, regime, I will automatically feel better. But I thought it cannot be only the placebo effect. And so I compared four or five different types of popular diets, starting from the Mediterranean diet, the vegan diet, the keto, and then a couple of others. And I did a Venn diagram because I wanted to compare the different advice that these diets had. And I discovered that all of these diets give the same, well, give many different recommendations with two notable exceptions. The first being to reduce your sugar intake, and the other one is to increase your vegetable intake. And if you think about it, if you cut sugar, you really cut on a large source of inflammation for your body. And at the same time, if you increase your fiber intake, you're really doing probably the best, the most effective thing you can do to nurture your gut microflora, since we mentioned it before. And I think if everyone really started to cut sugar and increase their fiber intake, no matter the, what diet they're following, they will start right immediately from the very first days to, to feel better and also to, to feel less bloated and have a better, a better feeling of health in general. So that, that's why I, I thought it was a fascinating thing. And that's why also we cannot really say that there's no best diet because no matter how you combine different advice, if you really stick to what is really basic and what's, I mean, this kind of advice, don't eat too, many, too much sugar and eat your veggies, is something that our grandma <laughs> probably told us many times, or our moms and dads, etc. So this is really basic. Um, but I think that's like you say because they're both ones ones obviously reducing inflammation and ones boosting yeah. immunity so you've got yeah. that double pronged attack which is like very very powerful but can I throw uh, like a spanner in the works there of saying like so when we say vegetables let's say include fruit now fruit obviously there's the big debates in certainly in fitness and I don't know you know obviously from your perspective of food science and being a scientist about sugar and fruit mm -hmm. and obviously cutting sugar we're talking about processed foods and not fruit, or are you saying that that certain fruits, I mean, obviously if you're eating fruit in its whole sense, you are getting the fiber and, and that is gonna slow that digestive rate down. You're getting everything else. So 
in theory, you're getting your bang for your buck. But is there ever a caveat in that that you could eat too much uh, sugar through fruit and that it could be bad for you? And this is an interesting one for me because I've suddenly got really into eating dried apricots and dates, and I'm even a bit concerned. Am I eating too many of them? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's an interesting and kind of a tricky question as well because we know that fructose can be a bit challenging, especially because it's not regulated from a biochemical point of view as glucose is. So you can actually risk to, to overeat fructose and then that will become automatically, we could say, that will contribute to the increase in fat mass. Well, we need to define what it means to overeat uh, fruit. And I'm glad you mentioned dried fruit because dried fruit is often sweetened. And uh, that, that could actually become be considered even a dessert in some cases. But let's assume that you eat, as I, as I guess, non-sweetened dried fruit. If you really have a lot of, them, of that during the day and you eat it not really mindfully, you just keep it on your side and whenever you feel that you need some energy, you put it into your mouth. Well, at some point, I think you might, you might get to the point where you're exaggerating with the amount of fructose you're eating. But when I, I mean, as I said, I talk to many people and I help many others also lose weight. And when I talk to them, it happens really rarely, if not even never, that their problems turns out to be, to be fruit. So when I talk to people, I realize after a few minutes when they talk about what they eat, that they start eating desserts from at breakfast and then they have a snack with, I don't know, a sweetened yogurt and then they have crackers and then they have white bread. and then they have, So uh, the problem is that they're, they're having probably too much carbs, too much refined carbs and sugar in, under the form of desserts, of desserts. But I've never really met a person who was overweight or who had other health-related problems because he or she was over-consuming fruit. So I, I would say, I mean, my advice is try not to exaggerate, but I, I don't think you really risk to, to exaggerate with fruit. What can happen is that since we know that fruit is usually picked when it's unripe, and then, I mean, it doesn't really see the sun during its ripening process. It can be so that it gets very rich in sugar, but not in vitamins and nutrients. Because what, what's the point here? When, when we get fructose from a piece of fruit, we, we're thinking, okay, I'm getting some fructose. Too much might be dangerous, but it's a fair amount. But I'm also getting a lot of vitamins and minerals. So in some cases, considering how uh, food production have evolved, we're not always completely sure that we're really getting many nutrients. Think about bananas. They're so easy to eat, but the bananas we get here, I mean, I live in Sweden and we, we get bananas in our fruit basket every week, but those are probably 90% starch and I don't know how much minerals and, and fruit. So if you, if you use uh, more local fruit and uh, in season, if possible, that, that might be a bit better. It's not always possible, of course. Here in Sweden, it's apples and <laughs> strawberries <laughs> only sometimes. So, yeah, I've noticed that more often. I've I have heard that about you know us including variety of of the vegetables for the gut flora, 
but also yes the taste is something different you know actually eating you know for for our health and wellness eating something that is locally grown produced not only can we be supporting obviously you know local businesses but it's better for our body but the taste you know that's i i won't buy strawberries now until it's strawberry season and that's something i do remember when i was growing up there was specific seasons for certain vegetables and then i think when supermarkets came in because you prior to that it was a greengrocers and you only mm-hmm. was there and and then obviously the big supermarkets were able to ship from all over the world so then nothing ever became special and i think there's something nice about oh you know always remember at christmas time it was satsumas it, you know that and enjoying to eat them because that's when they were the juiciest and and the flavor was there um whereas now they're there all year round i've bought them Half the time, about three of them in the net are always, you know, gone rotten and they don't even taste of anything. So, yeah, I, I do think that's one a note to self as well to, to keep on buying, which I do moreover. But, yeah, buying things that are t- particularly in season and, and searching those out. So with regards to you, you touched on about um, nutrients and minerals, and that's quite an interesting point that you know obviously with the fruits and vegetables we can think we're getting you know we're eating a banana so we naturally think we're getting all the goodness that we need but maybe we're not so um what are the most in your opinion obviously your expertise and knowledge what would you say are the important nutrients vitamins minerals that we should be looking to include in our diet either on a daily or weekly basis yeah well one if we think about nutrients, I think we need to distinguish between essential nutrients and non-essential nutrients. So the non-essential nutrients are those that our metabolism, our biochemistry cannot synthesize on its own. So we're not plants, so we don't photosynthesize, so we're not able really to, to build all the nutrients we need. And actually, when you, when you eat a variety diet, you tend to get exposed to several nutrients, so it's difficult to to think about, to to end up having specific deficiencies. But I think there are a few nutrients that people have forgot or that are less known and which which can be found only in a small, let's say, small number of foods. And I was thinking about a few examples. And the first one is selenium. I don't know if I pronounce it correctly. I usually have my Brazilian nuts here at the office because Brazilian nuts are probably one of the most concentrated sources of selenium. And we, we don't think about selenium, but it's an important mineral that, well, all minerals are essential nutrients, first of all, same as vitamins, because we're not able to, to, to synthesize them. Selenium is not so much concentrated in food. You can find it in fish. If you're not really a fish eater, you might really not have enough of it. And selenium is really important when it comes to thyroid hormones because it gets into the the synthesis of these hormones together with iodine. Iodine as well is also a very important nutrient. And the reason why I mention it is because it has become more and more common for many people to stop drinking milk. And you're probably thinking, why, why milk when you talk about iodine? Iodine comes from the sea, so it's probably salt. But salt is iodized in some countries, and not everyone buys it. The other source of iodine is, again, fish, 
which not everyone consumes on a regular basis. So it happens that if you're not really buying iodized salt and if you're not uh, if you're not eating a lot of fish, then the only source of iodine is dairy products. And if you stop drinking or using these products, then you end up not having enough iodine to synthesize your thyroid hormones. So that, that's another very important thing. And the third one, Could I sorry. put a caveat in there? So what would you suggest for someone that's vegan or plant-based then? For iodine, I would say to use iodized salt and for selenium to use Brazilian nuts. Although I must say they're really expensive. I mean, I've seen... I've seen them also. I can find them in some supermarkets at a reasonable price, but they're not always easy to find. For instance, in Sweden, it's very common to find them. When I'm in Italy, they're difficult to find and they cost quite a lot. I don't know in the UK. I haven't been there for a while now with the pandemic, so and I haven't shopped for Brazilian nuts <laughs> last time I've been in London. So, <laughs> so I don't really know. But yeah, these are the two foods you should consider. The third one that I wanted to mention, well, there's omega-3, of course, and that's because we can get omega, short-chain omega-3s from vegetable sources, but then the, the type of omega-3 we need are long-chain omega-3s that you can find in fish, but also in some seaweeds. So there's both vegan and non-vegan sources, and those are the EPA and DHA. Don't ask me don't, to spell them out because I might make a mess. But <laughs> it's difficult to remember all these names. But EPA, DHA, that's, that's how their name is. And those are the long-chain omega-3s. And the reason why it's important to eat also some long-chain omega-3s is that they are more active from a biochemical point of view, so metabolically uh, active. So while the short-chain uh, omega-3s that you can find in seeds and some nuts, for instance, are not that, uh, that as effective as long-chain ones. Now, I, I love the, the points there that you made about the selenium. And I've got actually a couple of uh, points that I want to, to raise on that. And obviously the omega-3, you know, the importance of having that is that it's associated that you've put in your uh, blog post about lower... Uh, so you you know depression and lower IQ if you're if you're not taken on enough um, and you know about when we're thinking about mindset and mental uh, disorders heart disease there's there's a lot of things as to we can help ourselves by the foods that we actually eat but going back to the selenium I I'm sure I listened um, or I'm always absorbing information to learn and grow and, and better my knowledge but there's there's we have to be careful to how much that we intake of selenium is that right? mm -hmm. that that is true because i mean brazilian nuts contain quite high amounts of it so it's uh, i usually recommend to mix this type of nuts with other type of nuts especially because they all contain different types of fatty acids so different types of fat uh, and that's good because we need we need healthy fats because our body is made of cells and each cell is surrounded by a membrane which is made of fatty acids again so it's good to have a good to eat a good amount of, of healthy fats because they can contribute to more uh, to healthier cell membranes as well and that's particularly important you mentioned depression it's important also for our like for our brain for the brain development and actually omega-3 seems to have a role also in the development of brain during the fetal life and also later during young ages so that that's why it's so important that you can 
that you, that you eat a sufficient amount of fat, which have been demonized, I must say, for many years. But we, we really need to, to understand more about these interesting nutrients and even saturated fats. They're, all, they're usually con- considered all bad, while if you look at them from a, with, with a bit more attention, you can discover that there's different types of saturated fats, some which are considered heterogenic, only a handful of them, and then many which don't seem to even have a specific health effect, not a strong one at least, and some, some are even healthy like the all-chain saturated fatty acids that comes from fermentation. So it's a really, it's a complex, it's really a complex uh, topic. Diet is really complicated. And then it's also difficult to, as I said at the beginning, to understand how all these nuances in the diet can have long-term consequences. You know that, I mean, diet is something we get exposed from even before we, we are born through through what we get through the placenta. So we get exposed to diet all our lives. So it's difficult really to, to understand how we, we react, what's the response that we, we have in terms of health to, to the diet we get exposed to. And in which are the moments which are the most important? We know that the, the earlier you start eating healthy, the, the better it is. Yeah, I, I I love everything you were saying there, and about the, you know fat being demonized, and yeah, I think it's. But I, what's opened my eyes to it is not just almost like it's it's an insulation uh, mechanism for for the body. One for obviously keeping us warm, I, I, and I've often noticed that when I've I've been a, a little bit lighter, I've been colder. Um, mm-hmm. So like you say, insulation for for you know the networks in the brain to 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 enable all of the, what you know the mechanics that are going on in in our head um to, to to protect that and i mean obviously we can go into so many other nutrients and minerals and like you know say why we need b12 but it's it's so important to to understand that our brain health is related to to our gut health and and what we're actually feeding and so if we're actually not feeding that great mentally i mean don't get me wrong obviously there's loads of other reasons why but the first place to start is have a look at what you're eating what are you consuming are you are you firstly drinking enough water because obviously the brain how much water it needs in comparison to the rest of the body (laughs) Um, are we actually hydrating enough are we actually sleeping enough and then go back to the the point that you made right at the start are we consuming far too much sugar and just those three things alone we haven't even talked about actually what we ingest you know elsewise but those three things could have a marked effect on on your mental clarity your focus um, and how you actually feel and then obviously what else you put in either as we were talking about the fiber and the sugar like you're boosting or or you're inflaming so it's trying to get that sweet spot isn't it so yeah if i may add one thing to what we said before about fat because it just an idea just popped up my mind many many people think talk about the mediterranean diet and how this diet is is healthy and you should be 
adopted by as many people as possible. But when we think about the Mediterranean diet, I, I think that's a kind of a misunderstanding that many people think it's equivalent to what I call the commercial Italian diet. So pizza, pasta, cappuccino, etc. But if you think about the traditional Mediterranean diet, so what was consumed in South Italy and Crete, so these Greek islands, in the 60s and 50s, it was essentially very rich in fat. Because think about nuts, think about fatty fish, olive oil, and olives that you can also eat uh, as they are. So it's really a lot of fat. And the Crete diet that like back in the 60s was at least 40% calories from fat, especially because it was not so many calories as people used to, were not used to eat as many calories as we eat today. So 40% of fat of a reasonable amount of calories is not that much. So let's not forget that a healthy diet is not necessarily a low-fat diet. So that's something that that, that's something that many people don't think about but no i like that but yeah i do like my olives as well (laughs) 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 um so from your expertise and knowledge in food science what would you say is the biggest surprising factor like an aha moment that you've come across that many people probably don't know are not being told yeah, that's an interesting question because it depends on what kind of person you meet. And what surprises me the most is when I talk to people who have a weight problem, because that's that's my focus when I when I work as a as a nutrition coach. I meet a lot of people with weight problems. They start talking about what they eat and what's their favorite food, etc. And they keep mentioning sugar, 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 and they're not even aware of it. And and I and I sit there looking at them, listening to what they say, and I'm thinking, but do you really need to pay me <laughs> to tell you that if you start eating sugar from the morning, from the, from the moment when you get up to the moment when you go to bed, that's not really going to help you with the, with your weight. And then I make them reflect on the fact not only that eating a lot of sugar can be bad because it causes weight gain, inflammation, etc., etc. But also on the fact that sugar can really be addictive. And I make, often make a compare. I don't want to, I don't like making comparison with drugs because I don't think it's really appropriate. But uh, many people do smoke cigarettes. And if you think about the effect that the cigarette has on you, the cigarette owns you at some point. At some point you buy them because they're telling you to buy them. <laughs> And sugar is the same. So the more you eat, the more you eat dessert foods, the more you would like to eat. And this is something I make them reflect upon, that if they stop using it, or at least minimize its use, then they they will feel much better and they will also crave way less food. So this this is one of the things that, that surprises people because they don't think there's still many people that are not really, they don't give so much importance to these specific nutrients. They think about avoiding fruit at meals and eating them like as a snack instead of during a main meal. They think about, I don't know, stop eating gluten, even if they're not gluten intolerant. They think about many different things and they forget as often as it often happens, many basic basic things. So this is one of the things that is surprising to me. The other thing is also that 
when it comes to, well, I recently wrote a post about osteoporosis and menopause. We discussed this offline uh, together. When you talk about osteoporosis, there's two things that people don't, don't know. One, that it's not a women's issue because men can be affected by osteoporosis as well. And even public health authorities don't, don't really mention this. So men think that they, they don't have this risk, but they do have. It's probably more evident in women, more prevalent in women, etc. Okay, but men are not completely exempted from the risk of osteoporosis. And when it comes to bones, what's important is not that you start thinking about your bone health when your bones start to crack. So <laughs> when you start having, having menopause and so many problems related to your bone density, but your, your bone health is something that needs to be nurtured from the moment you are very young because we reach our peak bone mass, so the maximum amount of bone mass at the age of 20. And then it starts slowly, 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 and sadly to decrease over time. So this is another interesting thing. And it's not enough to, 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 to just increase your calcium intake when you're 50 or 60 years old, because it might be too late. It might even be ineffective completely, unfortunately. I, I love that you to you bring that up actually I'm, I'm glad you did because yes we did speak about that previously and I think that that one ties in again with the, the B12 um, you know that surprising factor that people just think it's vegans that are deficient, huh? but it's not you know meat eaters can be deficient of that um, uh, vitamin as well and again it's one of those that you you might not notice straight away because the body obviously synthesizes it or, or stores it but it's one of those things that you could be depleted for many years and how they've linked it to dementia or Alzheimer's in later life or people have been incorrectly diagnosed with those diseases when actually it could have been through a deficiency and that's quite sad that if people knew that earlier that they could be doing something about it by simply you know having fortified uh, foods with it in or or obviously taking a supplement so that's one of the things that I'm really conscious about and I wouldn't have known about that if it hadn't been for going uh, plant-based to be fair so um yeah absolutely that and again heart health it's not oh suddenly start looking after your heart when you're in your 30s or 40s because or 50s because you know in your 50s 60s that's when you're more at potential risk no your heart can be be um you you could be building up that plaque and atherosclerosis in your 20s Mm. you know by the diet that you're uh, consuming so it's not a case of but it's just one of those things i think people don't tend to they value maybe wealth over health when they're younger and then suddenly when illness starts then they start switching that round of, of valuing health over wealth but by like you say then it's a little bit too late so it's really important to just like you said keeping it really simple going back to that diet point it's not about the fad diet but that's what we're always searching for this this fantastic answer this elixir this that's going to solve all of our problems because actually we don't like the boring and the simple which means eat more plants have less sugar <laughs> yeah exactly and you mentioned the fact that i mean atherosclerosis starts very early in life and you made me think about how Often I meet children and, and their parents, of course, and I measure their BMI. I mean, one of the basic things you calculate is the BMI, even if it's not really the best measurements you can use to, to, to assess 
body fat, it's still used to, to classify uh, people into overweight, normal weight, etc. And you know that children uh, with a BMI of 16, 17 at specific ages can be considered overweight, even though 16, 17 is absolutely fine in adult ages. But one thing I see more and more is ch young children whose BMI is already in the in the area, in the range of overweight, even if you look at adults' ranges. So they have a BMI of 27, 28, and that's really scary because they bring this burden along their entire life, for, starting from early life. And it's, it's very difficult to help them. I try to work with their parents, not to make too much, to feel them the, the stigma of being overweight. But it's not easy because children are surrounded by so many negative messages, the advertising. I mean, in some countries, like in Sweden, it's not possible to advertise to children, but in other countries it's possible, and there's a lot of advertising, uh, especially related to very unhealthy and high-sugar snacks. So, And then it's also, there's also a big problem with peer pressure, because when you go to school and if you take out a carrot at snack time, people will, I mean... They, they will essentially kill you, probably. <laughs> the, other, the other children will not tolerate that, <laughs> will not really tolerate. It's not really cool. And, and, and that's, really, that's really sad because it's difficult. It's difficult to think about how can we work in a way that we can modify the environment we live in, especially the environment where young children live so that they can live a healthy life. So that's one of the most important questions that we should ask ourselves. Topic here, uh, yeah. Luca. I think we I'm can do a whole new uh, <laughs> a recording of a, an episode here because I think that you've touched on such a um, important point about uh, the diet, but also about how it's inherited. So we, we tend to inherit a diet through families. So mm. there is when you say oh oh you know it's my family and you know it's down to genetics it's not always genetics it's it's down to to behavioral uh, um, or behaviors that have been inherited so that naturally gets fed down and, and the only reason that that came to me as an aha moment was the fact that I transitioned to a plant-based diet but my whole life that's not what I was taught you know that's not what was fed down to me from my family and that's what wasn't out there so to go and i've literally bucked the trend and changed something that is quite different you know and that's what i think there is that topic of the discussion to have I'm not saying that everyone needs to go plant-based but you do need to eat more plants but that point that it's not always oh it's my genetics and i've you know i'm big boned or it's because my mum or my dad's big it's not it's down to the behaviors of what you've got used to having of the way or the types of foods that that you you, you eat you know because you can you can get very insular on that and if you was actually to expand back out then and go and look at different populations and you know longevity in in um the different countries and I can't off the top of my head remember the the place where it's the class the is it the blue zone or something where they are they live to a hundred you know because of the different culture and the diet the Okinawa island probably yeah, mm. like that. no absolutely fantastic I definitely we, we'll have to do do another one on that um, mm. but I just I'd like to because I want to obviously move on um what would you say um three people that have been the most influential to you um, in your career or your life? Um, maybe it could be business, a family, friend, um, and why? 
Well, I, I would say it's more than two, probably because I, I got exposed to so many people through my profession who eat healthy or work with healthy diet. But if I think about when I was a child, I think my parents did a very good job by getting me used to eat vegetables at, eat, at every lunch, at every, sorry, meal, lunch and dinner. So vegetables were always on the table. My dad has always been very good in growing plants. He has a very nice garden and a very nice vegetable garden. So we always had fresh uh, vegetables on the table. And, and my mom has always taught me to eat like a correct portions. So she never really let me eat like twice of the same dish, like, especially, I mean, I, I grew up in, uh, in Italy where carbohydrates are, <laughs> are a big thing. So, and so, but she never really uh, allowed me to, to have like two dishes of pasta or have too many of these sweet snacks. So that, that was really important, I think. And always water was always on the table. I remember that and it's always like, and it's still like that. Many, many people I talk to don't drink enough water. and Some of them even drink like half a liter of water. And then the third person could be my teacher at the primary school because she did a very nice thing with us. I remember we it was in this very small school in a small village, and we were just five, five classes. And, and our teacher, at that time, we only we didn't have different. I mean, in Italy, we we had one teacher, and you children used to work with the same teacher for five years during primary school, and so we really developed a relationship with this woman, and it was always the same person help, uh, teaching us. And she she organized at some point. I still remember that a series of cooking classes. And then at the end, we did kind of a course. And then at the end, we invited our parents over and we served them the food that we made. Well, but she was doing probably most of the cooking. <laughs> I don't remember exactly. But what I, what I can tell you that I still have that recipe book that we started together. So I, I, I keep it. I, I don't know exactly where it is, if it's in Sweden or in Italy, but I, I might be able to, to pull it out. If I, and that's, uh, that's probably one of the biggest influence I had because cooking your food is one of the most important things you can do if you want to eat healthy. And usually when I meet young people, so when I have like clients in their 20s, 18s, I always tell them, we're working together. I'm going to give you a meal plan with some recipes. Don't let your mom, I mean, I come from Italy, we have very close relationships with our moms. So don't let your mom cook all of your meals, but use these, you take this as an opportunity to learn how to cook your meals, because it's not only something that is important for your, for your health, but it's also something that will make you an independent person. Being able to prepare your food and feed yourself is something that makes you an independent person. And I tell this to both Females and males. So I love that. No sexism. No, I love that. And 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 you know, a high five to your teacher. What a fantastic way to, to leave a mark and, and a good teacher is remembered forever so uh, what she she's done an amazing job but you know as you say as a youngster and potentially I'm not going to stereotype but as a boy 
a lot may have been going over their heads. So so she obviously did it in such a way that, that piqued your interest to, to have you and obviously with your parents. Um, that, I love that answer. That's absolutely fantastic. What would you say is um, the best and worst part of your job? That's a tricky question. Well, I, everything that related that is related to... to to working with other people and uh, helping them grow, no matter if we're talking about the students I teach at the university here in Sweden or the clients that I help improve their lifestyle. That, that's the most interesting part because I like to, I feel that I'm really having an impact on the, life, on the lives of these people. The part I probably don't like the most is that working 50% as uh, self-employed. I hate the bureaucratic part that comes with working with, with a company, especially when you work with health or specific regulations and you need to keep updated with those things. Sometimes they make no sense. And so that, that's a lot of work that I feel is really, a lot of time that is really wasted in making making things I don't always fully understand. <laughs> So that's probably so, yeah, the bureaucratic part of working as a self-employed, that, that really, that's really tough. Yeah, because that time wasted could be spent mm. helping and serving someone else, couldn't it? Um, that, that's a, a, a bit of a shame, really, but there is always hoops to, to have to go through, unfortunately, isn't there? Um, but yeah. going on for the last question, I'm going to change it a little bit. But um, if you could have a 10-minute conversation with anyone in the world... Who would it be with and why? Oh, I know what I'm going to answer. <laughs> <laughs> Elon Musk, and you know why? Because we need to discuss what we're going to eat on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you, know why, you, know, you know why I'm so much, I mentioned in Mars and space? Because when I, when I finished high school, I said to myself, okay, now I need to sign up to a university. What am I going to study? And my choice was between biology, because I'm, I'm, I'm trained as a biologist, basically, and the other one was astronomy. Oh, no. Nice. Because I, I'm really passionate about space. And, but then I told myself, Gianluca, if you're going to study astronomy, that's going to be a lot of physics, mathematics. I mean, let's be honest, you'll never, <laughs> you, you'll never be able to deal with, it, with that stuff. So sign up to biology, and that, that's what I've done. But I'm still very passionate about, about space, and I really look up to Elon Musk because I think what he's doing is, is incredible. And I wonder what are we going to do? How are we? I mean, we mentioned osteoporosis, and Mars has a, has a gravity that is almost half of the one we have on Earth. So that, that's a big risk factor for, uh, for osteoporosis. So I, I think we need to design a diet that will help astronauts and all the people that will go to Mars in the near future to preserve their bone mass. So if you ask me my dream project, that, that's the one. Oh my God, that's another, that's another episode I want. Yeah, precisely, precisely. Many episodes. <laughs> oh, I like the sound of that. That's just had my eyes light up. Um, yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to. Uh, he is a, a, he's an enigma of an individual, isn't he? Because, you know, you almost want to get inside his brain of how it works and what he's doing. Um, one thing is, you know, you, you, 
he he leads by example but i do sometimes wonder if he's half cyborg half human so that's why he'll be able to live on mars <laughs> like <laughs> yeah that's possible he seems to be relentless doesn't he he does not stop he doesn't sleep you know he's just so focused he's, you know he's so clever and he's just so quick um i've read his book um and i, I found it really interesting but there's some insights obviously from the people that worked with this can be quite a cold individual as well so i do sometimes wonder if um you know he's just so focused that emotion and 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 connections that doesn't feature yeah that's that's quite that's quite possible i think um i'd love to go on to the quick round because we i we've had such i've i absolutely love talking to you but i'm really conscious of you know um keeping this episode under the hour but um i always finish with a quick fired timed round so this is pitted against the clock where i just ask 15 questions you don't know which ones come in and i do it against the time you've got to answer with an either or um, as quick as you can uh, I will try and speak as clearly as possible and then your time will go on the planted mindset leaderboard which is on my website nbefit.co.uk so are you ready and are you um, raring to go I'm ready ready okay so I'm going to start the clock savory or sweet savory beach or snow uh, snow coffee or tea or oh, coffee coffee Favorite sport? Um, walking. Most scared of? Mm, oh, to drown in water. That's my. Oh. Um, uh, favorite body part? Hair. My hair. <laughs> Ketchup or mayonnaise? Oh, none of them. But if I have to choose mayonnaise. <laughs> uh, shower or bath? Sorry, I didn't get that. Shower or bath? Uh, shower. Sure. Dog or cat? Oh, cat. And I don't know if you actually have, but Netflix or some other streaming version, which which would you prefer? Because you... I use yeah, I use Netflix. Netflix. Uh, burpees or pull-ups? If you was doing any exercise. Pull-ups. <laughs> favorite actor? Oh, I don't have a favorite actor actually. Uh, no. Tom Cruise maybe. Tom Cruise. Okay, so maybe difficult. The next one. What's your best film, favorite film? Uh, there are many films that I love. Yeah, in this case, I don't really have a favorite movie. Okay. Uh, what about favorite book? Favorite book? Oh, I like. Um, I forgot the name. Umberto Eco. I read it many years ago. It was about Templars, but I did the Pendulum. What was the name? It's in Paris. The Foucault Pendulum. Something like that. Il pendolo di Foucault in Italian. I'll put that in the show notes after. And uh, what is your hidden talent? Everyone must have a hidden talent. My hidden talent? Mm. Yeah. I think I'm more empathic than people think. Ah, and stop. Okay, excellent. Well done. There's some tough questions in there because it does throw people because you don't know what questions you're going to get. So it's like thinking on the feet. I was terrified. <laughs> that was the most terrifying part of the interview, of course. <laughs> Hopefully it was a bit of fun, but it's one of those things that your brain goes blank, doesn't it? So it's like, oh God, what is my favorite film? Or, or you'll have a book and then it just it escapes you. So um, if, you, if you can think of that one, um, absolutely tell me and I'll add that into the show notes. So we had a, a time of one, fifth, 1 minute 51 spot 92. So I'll add that to the leaderboard. 
But um, that was that was fantastic. I do like that bit because it's a little bit lighthearted if we've been talking about more in-depth topics. And, and also you get to know a little bit more about, obviously, the guests that I'm bringing on. So uh, where can people find you, Gianluca, if they want to, to know more about what you're doing and uh, they liked hearing everything you said today? Yes, well, thanks for asking. And uh, they can find me on LinkedIn. So if you search Gianluca, the pronunciation is Tognon, but it's written Tognon. So I usually say Tognon so that people understand better. And then it's my website, www.gianlucatognon.com. And uh, yeah. And if you, it's like Nino in Spanish, so Nion. Uh, okay. The similar sound, yeah. And on my website, I have a very nurtured blog, and I, and I, as you said, I post very frequently, or at least as as frequently as I as possible, um, on a variety of different topics. Excellent. No, that's great. And um, out of your contacts, who would you be happy to introduce this podcast to, with the potential of being a guest? Well, I'm working with different people, and um, for, the, for instance, at the moment, I'm well. As, as I said, I'm teaching for a, here at the University of Schöfte in Sweden. I'm collaborating with a startup company in the UK, and I'm also I also have a collaboration in the in the Netherlands with a foundation that works with healthy food labeling. So I, I can reach out to a few of them and see if they're interested to be be interviewed. Ah, sounds interesting. Startup sounds interesting. My ears pricked up about Netherlands because my nan was Dutch. So, so that would be awesome. Um, and finally, uh, and thank you, by the way, out of 10, with you may not understand this, when I say with one being pants, meaning rubbish, um, and 10 being perfectly splendid, how would you rate this episode that we've just recorded? 15. <laughs> it was really it was really i i love to talk to people i mean because you have a lot of knowledge you, you i mean you have a lot of knowledge in nutrition you have a lot of passion and i mean and i feel i mean that that it really comes out i mean of the episodes and i mean talking to you uh, it's really interesting because you're not just asking random questions you're really asking questions that you thought through so and you and you have knowledge yourself also to to, to discuss about this topic so it, it doesn't always happen so I, I always get the same types of questions so what do i eat to, what do i have to eat to lose weight <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah. Or, I yeah i mean i've just wanted to pick your brains because you know i'm just like oh my god like the wealth of knowledge that you have there I think you could just delve so deep but like you say you want to keep it to a level but yeah I, I really enjoy talking about these uh, topics and I like to, to learn more from great people like yourself so I'm really grateful for you giving up your time to come onto this podcast for me um, thanks I appreciate that and, and thank you very much for being a guest but we must definitely uh, repeat because I think what, what's come out of this episode is, is well certainly from my perspective some other areas that we could definitely delve into absolutely you could give so much knowledge and, and information on those so that would be awesome thank you so much it's really it's been really interesting talking to you and i'm really looking forward to <laughs> to recording another episode and talk about other other topics maybe mars 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think that's that's got to be that's got to be done. That's got to be the one. I, I'm interested. I'd like to know. You know, like you say, what what do you eat? What can grow there? What can we actually? Yeah, no, that's fascinating. That's already blowing my blowing my astro diet. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, dear Luca. Thank you. Thank you. Um, wow, I just loved recording that episode with Gianluca. Uh, I could have spoken for ages. Actually, the episode's slightly longer than the normal, but there was so so many gold nuggets being dropped there. And uh, I, you know, right into that last question, talking about Elon Musk and Mars, and obviously sustainability from a point of view of of um, life on on Mars, and and what you would actually have to eat. How, how well, even how you get there, how long it takes to get there and um, how long it takes to get back and, and when you actually do that. So that's an awesome topic to definitely revisit. Um, so if you get hearing what Gianluca said today, then absolutely screenshot the recording. Um, whether you're listening on uh, Spotify, iTunes, the podcast is available on all major platforms. So do take a screenshot, share on social media, whether that be Instagram, Facebook, um, tag uh, Gianluca in and myself, um, or even if you're posting it on LinkedIn, uh, I'd love to hear from you. And also, you know, what topics would you like to see come to the Planted Mindset podcast? Um, definitely contact me if you would like to, to hear a recording about um, Mars and obviously what we would need to do to be able to, to live there. Um, I'm sure that would be a, an absolute gem of a recording. So thank you again for listening to the podcast. Please do share to friends and family, not just this episode, but, but the podcast in itself. You can click the little link if you're following um, and share to, to friends and family. This will help the show reach uh, a wider audience because obviously the it will uh, play into the algorithm. Um, but also because why not share a bit of positivity, uh, share a bit of knowledge. There was so many knowledge bombs there that Gianluca dropped um, that, you know, could give an aha moment to someone else and every little bit of uh, positivity knowledge um, inspiration we give to others um, just ripples into that butterfly effect so please do share the podcast and if you did enjoy it then leave a five star review on itunes and absolutely post what you took um, away from that episode why you particularly liked it um, I'm always keen to talk about different topics. So as I said, why not drop me a DM on Instagram, um, either under the Planted Mindset podcast, or you can also find me on NBE Fit PT and also Sassy Intense, Sculpt a Stronger, Sexier You. So I am on all of those platforms as always on the website, www.nbefit.co.uk. And that's where I will be listing the leadable schools and we're going to be having quite a good uh, bit of competition, healthy competition going there because I've got some super guests lined up this year. Absolutely amazing people that have got um, such uh, fantastic stories to tell, but also, uh, you know, their knowledge in their respective fields. So if you're enjoying this, definitely click the bell to, to get notified of the next episode. They are always produced um, and released on a 
in Monday. So one will be plopping into your um, iTunes or wherever you listen for you to, to get that little bit of Planted Mindset podcast uh, positivity each week. And until then, I just want to leave you with um, the quote, uh, which obviously I, I think I'm going to sort of leave with this one because I think it does resonate. Don't live the same year 75 times and call it a life by Robin Sharma. So stay well, stay happy until next time. <laughs> <laughs>